This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. Hello, listeners, and welcome back for another episode of PSG Talking, the first podcast devoted to Paris Saint-Germain in English. On today's episode, recorded Tuesday, November 19th, I'm joined by ESPN FC's PSG correspondent, Jonathan Johnson. Jonathan and I discuss the international break and get to the bottom of Lionel Messi's altercations with two PSG players. We also talk about one PSG player in particular who stood out for France under-17 team. We preview the match against Lille, look ahead to Real Madrid, and talk about some transfer rumors. The episode concludes with Jonathan answering some of your questions sent in via Twitter. As always, I'm your host Ed, and this is PSG Talking. Hey Jonathan, how's it going? Hey, good, thanks. Uh, Thanks a lot for having me back on. Yeah, appreciate it. Sorry for the the technical difficulties yesterday. We tried to get you on on Monday, uh, but we had to wait a day, so we're glad to have you. Uh, Everything going well in Paris? Very well, thanks. Always a pleasure to be on. Fantastic. So we have a limited amount of time with you, of course, so we wanted to to jump right into it. Um, International break. It's almost over. We can't wait. Wanted to ask you, Kylian Mbappe, he missed uh, the game against Albania, I believe it was, with France, due to some sort of illness. Do you have any updates on that? Is he back in training? Uh, as far as I know, he was expected back in training today, so that's the the Tuesday. Uh, you, so, so I'm guessing that even if for some reason he wasn't able to, to take part in the session today, uh, individually or collectively, he'll probably be back uh, in training with the guys over the next couple of days. So, uh, you know, I think it's more likely at this moment in time that we'll see somebody like uh, Mbappe uh, against Lille than it is, uh, you know, the likes of uh, Marco Verratti and uh, Ander Herrera, who are obviously the, the big concerns ahead of Real Madrid away next week. Sticking with the international break, there was some interesting incidents that happened with uh, between PSG players and and some other players on other teams, um, things that off the pitch. And so the first thing was um, Varane had a few comments about Mbappe, about him maybe trying to do too much on the pitch and just being a little bit critical. What do you make of those comments? Are they, do you know anything about the relationship between those two players? Um, what do you make of those? Do you think it's a big deal, no big deal at all? Um, I mean, I think... In, in isolation, people could question whether Varane needed to, to chime in um, with, with what he had to say. But also at the same time, when you consider that Didier Deschamps also said pretty much the same thing, uh, you know, I think you have to look at uh, Mbappe's situation within the France team, Mbappe's situation within the PSG team, uh, and also consider the way that Mbappe's season's gone so far. I mean, is Mbappe trying to make up for lost time at this moment? Yeah, he is, absolutely. So it doesn't surprise me that occasionally, yeah, he is trying to do perhaps a little too much. But I think he's particularly caught in that trap when he plays with France at the moment because, let's be honest, yes, they're world champions, but the French are not playing, uh, you know, particularly well at this moment in time. They're, uh, you know, sort of grinding through some of these, uh, well, they they ground through some of their final qualification matches in quite low gear. Uh, So it's no surprise that Mbappe would have found himself a bit frustrated uh, and and was trying to perhaps do things on his own at times, just trying to make things happen because, you know, some of the the displays from Le Bleu were very unimaginative, very dry. uh, And it was was very hard to watch um, at times over sort of the last 
uh, 12 months or so. So I can understand his frustrations a bit, uh, but I, I can also understand Varane's line, uh, particularly as standing captain in the absence of Hugo Lloris and uh, Didier Deschamps, where they're always trying to play up sort of the unity, the, the collective uh, aspect, which is very important for France. So, you know, I... I question, I question the need for Varane to have said what he said, particularly ahead of the, the final qualification match away at Albania when qualification was already assured. Uh, but also at the same time, when he was speaking about Mbappe as a person, you know, he stressed that there's never any problem with him. He's always a very, uh, very happy guy, a good guy to have in the squad, somebody who, you know, who always boosts the, uh, the morale of his teammates. So, I, you know, I don't think it was too critical or intended to be too critical. Um, you know, and I think this falls into the bracket of constructive criticism from both Varane and, and Deschamps where uh, you know they're trying to get Mbappe to think of the collective I just looking at the other side of the coin I can also see why Mbappe would be frustrated at this moment in time because uh, the French team as a whole has, has been pretty lackluster in 2019 to be perfectly honest Absolutely. Now we we absolutely have to talk about what is going on with Lionel Messi um, First of all against the against Brazil you know he was acting a little bit on the pitch and Tiago Silva rightfully so in my opinion called him out for influencing the official and he said that he gets away with this kind of stuff because of who he is he doesn't necessarily get away with it that much in the Champions League because the officials are a little bit more um, not as lenient or not as impressed with who he is so he that was the first incident between Tiago Silva and Messi and there was also Messi was telling the Brazilian manager to you know basically shut his mouth and that sort of thing. And then on Monday we had a little bit of a dust up between Edison Cavani and Messi, where Cavani actually invited him to fight. And I believe it was Messi was like, "Hey, any time that you want," which I thought was hilarious because if this was a boxing boxing match, I think it would be a decidedly Messi would be a decidedly underdog in that one. So, um, what is going on with Messi? Did did Barcelona send him on international break and say, hey, if you go up against any PSG players, get into it with them? Is this all going back to Neymar? What is the what is the deal with Messi? What do you make of all of this? And I'm 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 not gonna to read too much into things, you know, as you know, sort of Messi on some some sort of mission to uh, unsettle PSG players, uh, you know, as some sort of ploy to try to make a Neymar transfer more possible. I you know, I think it's 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 all a bit ridiculous, that sort of idea. Uh I I think it was all a bit unnecessary. Uh, I do think uh, Messi's behaviour at times uh, over this international break was, was disrespectful, particularly towards uh, Brazil coach Chich. Um, I mean, it just strikes me as so massively unnecessary. I mean, the the thing that I do find kind of uh, amusing in a, a little bit or interesting mm-hmm. is that the two players he sort of you know, picked his fights with or, or had disagreements with are two of the guys who are most under pressure at PSG at the moment, uh, you know, both Cavani and Silva coming towards the end of their contracts. Uh, and, you know, I think that they, I mean, okay, Messi's always in a very stressful environment when he's with the, the Argentine national team because, you know, there's so much weight of expectation that falls on his shoulders. Uh, you know, but these guys, Silva and Cavani at the moment, you know, their futures are very uncertain past the end of the season. Uh, I think Cavani in particular, uh, you know, his uh, scum minus scuffle with, with Messi was completely born out of frustration. Um, I think he'll be very happy with what's happened over the international break, you know, got back into uh, some sort of scoring groove. Um, so he'll feel satisfied and hope to build on that when he uh, reports back for, for duty with PSG. But, you know, he's 
had to endure a very frustrating start to the season. Uh, you know, he'll be concerned by the way that his status at PSG has changed over the last couple of months, particularly since the arrival of Mauro Icardi. Uh, and Thiago Silva seems to be doing everything whenever a microphone is put in front of him to sort of stress that he, uh, you know, is completely committed to PSG and, uh, you know, talking up the possibility of a contract extension, which hasn't been put on the table by PSG at this moment in time. It seems like Cavani is more accepting of the fact that he may well have to go elsewhere before he ends his career in Europe, uh, whereas Silva seems very set on on finishing his career uh, with PSG full stop. So uh, I found it more interesting the the two players that Messi had flare ups with, as opposed to sort of you know the content of those flare ups. Because to me, you know, Silva and Cavani strike me as two of the guys who are most under pressure to uh, you know to perform right now and are, are most unsure of their futures past uh, this campaign. They're also two of, I would say, the most respected players just in the game in general. So I thought it was interesting that he went after both of those players. So very interesting. Yeah, I do. But also, I think, I mean, you look at Cavani's comments after the after the match and he said Argentina-Uruguay matches were always heated affairs. I and mean, I think the majority of, of matches between South American countries are always very heated affairs. They seem the, the rivalries between... Uh, the majority of those countries seem to be more intense uh, than a lot of the European ones, you know, probably because, you know, you've got a lot more countries, uh, you know, who are involved in the in the European qualifiers than you do in the in the South American qualifiers and, uh, you know, those sorts of matches. Uh, so whenever South American teams come up against each other, I think there's more of a sense of rivalry than there is uh, in Europe when, you know, the teams are more familiar with each other. And it's only really when the bigger nations uh, come face to face that you sort of have the, 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 you know, that, that heat of the rivalry that comes to the surface a little more. Absolutely. Now, sticking with international breaks still, I want to talk about the under-17 um, couple tournaments this year. So we had the Euros and the World Cup, and there was one PSG player in particular that really stood out, and that was Adil Oshish. And you'll correct me if I said that wrong, but he has been on an incredible run this, this year um, in 2019. He's got something like 10 goals in the, both of those tournaments and just a, a host of, of assists. He's, I believe his contract is up at the end of the year. Correct me if I'm wrong. What is the feeling of PSG with this player? Do, do they see him as someone that can make his way up through the ranks, maybe like a Adrian Rabiot, and, and get some playing time with the first team? I think he's made one appearance this year. Um, what is the overall feeling towards him? I, I saw that there was a piece in The Athletic, so he's definitely catching the eye of people – in football media, he seems to be that kind of up-and-coming player that people are excited about. Is PSG, is Thomas Tuchel, is he impressed with him? Where do you see his future lying? Is it at PSG or elsewhere? I mean, I think at this moment in time, it's at PSG, and I think the ball is in PSG's court. I mean, you look at the comments of, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the player's father recently after, uh, you know, once the tournament finished, he seems very set on, you know, trying to give everything to have some sort of future at PSG and I think that is a that you know obviously that's a good thing for PSG but uh, my question would be whether somebody like Tuchel uh, is the, the the right person to sort of bleed that mm. uh, that kind of young talent into the team because it's not something that we've really seen him do during his time at Parc des Princes. You know, okay, there have been some uh, players who have come up from the academy, but they seem to be players that that Tuchel has identified who could play. Uh, you know, uh, a role sort of now and in the future, uh, filling positions where he's not convinced by, you know, some of the more senior options he has available to him, notably at right back. You know, he's never been fully convinced by 
someone like Thomas Meunier uh, has often preferred Colin Dagba. So it's, uh, yeah, it's a very interesting situation, particularly with the way that, you know, he's exploded. Uh, and I mean, if, if it were me, Mm-hmm. I'd be looking at some of the domestic cups and trying to, to trying to, to bleed in some of uh, you know the best young talents so that they get some senior experience. I mean, we've seen so many uh, you know bright young talents be moved on by PSG without really you know having given them a chance to, to succeed or prove themselves at senior level. Uh, and you know you'd hope that they don't make the same uh, mistake here. I mean, to be to be honest, uh, you know, given the kind of player that he is. Uh, he reminds me a lot of uh, Yassine Adli and, you know, we see Adli now sort of starting to, you know, starting to make moves with Bordeaux, uh, you know, finally getting the chances that he was never given at PSG. Uh, and then when you bear in mind over the years, all of the players who've been let go, I think now this is a really good test of what Leonardo plans to do with the, with the youth academy moving forward. I mean, we saw, you know, almost a massive fire sale of, of talent over the summer, really. I don't think any of those talents, uh, uh, have the same potential uh, that Oshish uh, has, and I, you know, I think he is a, uh, you know, he, he does have the potential to be one of the best uh, PSG Youth Academy graduates uh, of of recent times, and I think it would be a massive shame if he's not given more of a chance at senior level, and that's why I'd be looking at something like, especially the Coupe de la Ligue, mm. uh, you know, PSG going away to Le Mans before uh, before the end of the year. I think it would be a perfect time to, you know, to give him an opportunity to to prove himself alongside some of the, you know, the the, the rotational members of uh, of the senior squad, uh, you know, because I don't think there's anything to lose for PSG. There's everything to gain. You know, he's in form. His his confidence is up at the moment. He feels like he's got a point to prove. Um, my biggest question about his future at the moment would be if somebody like Thomas Tuchel is able to convince him that he'd play enough of a part in uh, in his plans for the future. And if you know that's not the case. Uh, you know, then I think it's up to Leonardo to sort of, uh, you know, work out what the best thing to do for the player's future would be. And, you know, if if he's not going to get that much time, even in the domestic cups, then I think PSG should definitely be looking to sign him to an extended contract and loan him out. I mean, this was one of the biggest frustrations with Antero Enrique's time as sporting director. There never really seemed to be a plan for all of the the bright young talent in the youth academy. Uh, there was talk of a satellite club, never materialised. Um, and even though PSG don't have that, uh, you know, that option secured now, you know, Leonardo has so many contacts, uh, you know, in France and, and abroad that I doubt there'd be any shortage of takers for Oshish, you know, whether it's on loan or whether it's permanently. So I think that if he's not going to get the opportunities in the domestic cups and perhaps in some of the league games when uh, deep squad rotation is required, then I think PSG really have to try and loan him out. And I think, you know, given the way that, that he's impressed over recent weeks, loaning him out after signing an ext- a contract extension might actually be the, the best thing for PSG because it would guarantee, uh, you know, that they get that extra commitment of a couple of years, uh, which gives him time to develop further um, and get used to playing at senior level, but also gives PSG uh, the chance to watch him closely, see how he develops. And, you know, although we're not really talking about it at this moment in time, you know, Given uh, Leonardo's arrival last summer and the fact that Tuchel was already at the club, you can't rule out a possible coaching change next summer. Uh, you know, and obviously a new a, a new coach would bring a new opportunity for everybody, including uh, you know youth academy graduates. So I definitely think it's in PSG's best interests at the moment uh, to try and give him as much game time as possible, whether that's in Paris or elsewhere. 
Yeah, one of the things leading into the season was when they signed Icardi on loan and let all those youngsters leave. I always like to point out there was that Bleacher Report article that called PSG losers for letting so many of those players leave and bringing in someone like Icardi. And then you look at it just a few months later, Icardi's scored nine goals or something ridiculous. And then you have Oshish, who just proves that Paris is full of these young stars and they could just pluck them at will pretty much. I mean, these, these guys, they, they just, it's such a rich talent pool that they have so many youngsters that they could pull from. So he's just probably the best one in their rank. So um, I'm with you. I, I think play him in the Coupe de Liga. If they somehow get knocked out of that early, maybe think about sending him on loan in January to, I don't know, maybe a Bordeaux. He could play alongside uh, Adley, who you mentioned. I think they look very similar. Um, but yeah, so maybe sending him out on loan would be the best thing to do and see what he can do there. Um, I mean, I think yeah. I think the best the the best fit for him at this moment in time, if you know, if it was to be regular football, would be taking a drop down into into Ligue 2, mm. uh, you know, to a team that would really have uh, would really need his ability between now and the end of the season, or between January and the end of the season, uh, you know, and they'd just be able to to give him you know as close to guaranteed minutes as as possible. I think that making a loan in Ligue 1. As we've seen in the past with with certain youth academy graduates, I mean, okay, it worked out for Alphonse Ariola in the end, but PSG sort of stumbled upon a, a staggered loan system that actually worked really well and ended up helping him develop uh, at the right pace. Whereas you look at someone like uh, Hervin Ongenda, and you know that was just disastrous. I mean, you look at where he is now, and I think uh, the last place I remember him play, applying his trade was uh, was Romania. So <laughs> it's. It, I, I think PSG do need to handle their youth academy graduates better, particularly with regards to picking the teams that they join on loan. Mm-hmm. Um, but also at the same time, I think these um, these youngsters also need to remain realistic. And you know, I think that's what seems to be so refreshing about Oshish at this moment in time. He seems very grounded, seems very focused on the fact that he wants his future to be at PSG if possible. Uh, you know. He sees the fact that he's come through the the club's youth academy, uh, and I think it's a good opportunity for both him and Leonardo to to, to establish you know what the situation is going to be with the youth academy moving forward. Because I think that's one of the questions that many people uh, are very keen to see answered. Um, at, you know, regarding uh, Leonardo's return as sporting director, because it's something that we haven't really seen uh, him pay too much attention to at the moment. With the exception of uh, some of the players who were moved on over the summer, uh, which obviously Antero Enrique played a role in anyway. Is there a, a League Two side they think Oshish would be perfect for? I mean, there's been uh, suggestions of you know the teams like uh, Orléans uh, in the in the past couple of years. I mean, I you, you'd probably be thinking their team sort of in like the the, the bottom half uh, of the table or, or struggling against uh, relegation but then again when you look at league 2 there's so many teams with some uh, you know fantastic uh, youth academies and uh, reputations for for breeding young talent you know if, if you know you you could pick a team you know you probably send them to like a Lave or a, a Lens you know these kind of clubs where young talent has been able to flourish over the years that you know that that would happen in an ideal world but I think at the end of the day if there was a team in Ligue 2 that really needed uh you know a a player of his uh of his his ability then you know I think that that would be the best fit for him you know the more minutes uh between now and the end of the season for him the better very good all right let's leave the international stuff to the side now let's get back we've got the return of Ligue 1 return of PSG they faced Lille on 
Friday, I believe it is. What's the latest on Neymar? Uh, are you expecting him to start? I, I believe this week he's supposed to return to just full training with the team. But what's the latest on Neymar? Uh, as far as I know, he returned to training on Monday, so uh, it's looking good for him to be in contention for a place in the team against Lille, uh, probably to play a part, uh, and obviously that puts him in contention as well for a starting role against uh, Real next week. So at this moment in time, it seems like he's, uh, you know, he's on the mend. He'll be training with his teammates this week, and provided that you know there's no sort of um, setback or uh, uh, you know like relapse. Uh, you know, he should be able to play on Friday and then again uh, next week. Very good. And then the other injury update was Verratti. I believe in the medical report it said that he was going to be reevaluated this week. Um, what are you hearing about him? Is he probably unlikely to, to play against Lille? Yeah, I think he's due to have his situation uh, looked at again towards the end of the week, which, you know, logically will rule him out against Lille. Um, and then obviously it makes him a doubt to at least start against Real next week. Uh, I mean, when Marco Verratti gets injured, uh, you know, we have to remember sort of his his history with uh, with fitness issues. He tends to be out for, you know, fairly lengthy periods at a time. Uh, so not being able to, to, to feature uh, during the recent international break uh, is, is a good thing for PSG because it's given him a maximum amount of time to, to recover. But also at the same time, uh, it's, you know, if he's only going to be looked at towards the end of the week and is probably not going to be in contention for um, a role against Lille, then, you know, that poses the, the, the question as to what sort of state he's going to be in against Real. I mean, Real itself is not as big a match now as it looked like it was going to be, uh, you know, when the group stage draw was made, given the way that the, the group stage has panned out. I mean, it is important uh, in terms of deciding which team is going to advance uh, to, as top of the group. And obviously it would be great for PSG if they can remain unbeaten against Real over both matches, well, remain unbeaten over the entirety of the over the entirety of the group stage um, and keep up their, their, their excellent defensive record. Um and, you know, Ferrati's not there. That's, uh, you know, going to disrupt Thomas Tuchel's plans because Ferrati is a key part of, the, of, of, of what, he's, what he's doing with, uh, with PSG at the moment. Uh, but also, uh, it would present an opportunity for somebody else to come in and, uh, and, and prove themselves if he, if he doesn't make it. So that, I'd, I'd be more concerned about the fact that both Herrera and Ferrati uh, are both doubts at the same time. Uh, and if neither of them are able to feature against Lille, uh, then midfield is potentially going to be a bit of a headache uh, for Tuchel. Uh, you'd assume that uh, Marquinhos and uh, Gay take up two of the, the three roles in the midfield, uh, but if Verratti, neither Verratti nor Herrera are really able to prove their fitness ahead of that Real match, then you know, he's going to have a bit of a headache uh, in terms of choosing who he goes with. I mean, he, may, he might still risk it with somebody like Verratti when you consider the good form he's been in before the injury. Uh, but also at the same time, you don't want to be sending, uh, you know, your team out there uh, at Santiago Bernabeu without everybody being 100% fit. I mean, there's always Oshish. You know, you could always play him in the midfield if you need to. Um, you mentioned Real Madrid. I would push back just a little bit. I think it's actually turned into a fairly big match just because of all the storylines between Zidane and Leonardo. And then you have this is the really the last opportunity to see PSG against a top tier talent before the knockout phase of the Champions League. So I think they have a lot to prove. This is, you know, Real Madrid is in much better form than they were the first time they played. So I just think from proving a point and 
seeing exactly what you have in this PSG team, I think against Real Madrid, you, that's really the last opportunity you're going to get. So I think it's a fairly big match, but we can we can leave Lille to the side um, and focus on that Real Madrid match. So I wanted to ask you, assuming everyone is healthy, um, what will PSG's attack look like? Is it going to be Di Maria, Cardi, Mbappe, Neymar, Cardi, Mbappe, or can Tuchel somehow shoehorn all of these attacking players into one starting lineup. What do you think that's going to look like? Well, I mean, interestingly, this goes back to the debate about whether somebody like Verratti will be fit enough, because if Verratti isn't fit enough to start, and we do assume that Tuchel's going to go with Marquinhos and Gay as two of the three midfielders, then the obvious player to, to fill that gap in the midfield is Angel Di Maria, which then makes things a bit easier for, for Tuchel in attack, uh, because he could go with a, a front three of Neymar on the left, Icardi in the middle uh, and Mbappe on the right. I don't think that we'll see Tuchel, uh, you know, start somebody like Cavani. I don't think he's going to want to disturb the the formula that he's found so far in this in this Champions League group stage. So, I, you know, that may well be the solution because I, th- I it will be very very harsh uh, on somebody like Angel Di Maria, who's been one of the best performers, the most consistent performers for PSG so far this season. Uh, you know, to to leave him out, uh, I think it would it, it would already be harsh enough on him to move him sort of back into into the more central midfield role. However, he is a player who's excelled there in the past. I mean, we saw um, him with Real Madrid as part of the you know part of the side that finally ended the wait for the for the tenth Champions League title. It's you know he has the ability to play there uh, you know and he's in such good form creatively at the moment that I don't think you can not have him on the pitch if he's fit and healthy uh, we've seen him go to the Bernabeu in the past and although PSG didn't come away with the result I remember him playing particularly well and being very creative that night uh, you know and we've seen him come to the fore <clears throat> at times when PSG have gone on the road in the Champions League and uh, you know he's been one of the one of the standout performers notably where Manchester United last season so I think Di Maria for me has to play um, and I think it's inevitable that Neymar will, will walk straight back into the team given his talent mm-hmm. uh, and I think Icardi and Mbappe pick themselves as well so for me assuming that Verratti is not fit enough to start I wouldn't take the risk uh, and I'd put somebody like Di Maria into the central uh, midfield role um, and let Marquinhos and Gay take care of the uh, you know sort of the more defensive elements and, and get Di Maria linking up with the front three as often as possible yeah. I mean, this game has so many storylines, but I just I love the that war of words that Leonardo had with uh, Zidane over the transfer of Mbappe. What are you expecting, just from the fans, the atmosphere? Do you think Mbappe is really going to get up for this match? Um, from PSG's point of view, is this a must-win given that the the rumors are there and Real Madrid are willing to spend half a billion dollars or something crazy? I saw just from that point of view with Mbappe and the transfer how important is this match to PSG I mean I think it's important in terms of prestige Uh, I don't think necessarily it's a win at all cost match Mm -hmm. I think it's just one of those you know that you don't want to lose I mean to be honest PSG could lose it and still go through top of the group Uh, such as the cushion that they have ahead of Real Madrid I think that's the that's the luxury of this game but unfortunately 
we know that PSG are not a very good team to give luxuries to because they tend to take it for granted. And that means they take their foot off the gas and the performances are not as intense as they perhaps should be. Uh, so, I mean, it is nice to have that little bit of uh, added fire, that, that bit of added kick going into the match, uh, you know, with that, like you mentioned, the war of words between Leonardo and Zidane. Uh, I, I don't think there's any doubt that, that Mbappe will be up for this match. I mean, going back to what we discussed at the very beginning of this conversation, uh, you know, what his, uh, what Varane was saying about him, what Deschamps was saying about him, mm-hmm. you know, he fe- it feels to me at this moment like he's trying to make up for lost time, knowing that he's missed the best part of two months of his season already. Um, and even if he played every match of the of, of this term so far, he definitely want to perform uh, at, at Santiago Bernabeu next week because it's somewhere that I think, you know, and you know, I think we all know he, he sees himself playing at some point in his future, uh, you know, somewhere along the line in his career. So I, d- I don't think there's any doubt that he will be motivated for it. But the, the problem will be is if his teammates are not as motivated as he is, because if the whole team is as motivated as he is, PSG could very well put on a very strong performance there uh, and come away with a, with a very impressive result. Like you said, um, Real are much improved now than they were at the beginning of the group stage. I don't think there was any doubt um, that that was going to be the case case uh psg in terms of what they've done in the champions league uh you know have been very consistent since then uh and it's a it's a good situation for psg to be going into it uh if you take away sort of the the mental lapses that they're capable of having which we've seen a couple of times domestically this season uh you know and hopefully psg don't look at the fact that they have that cushion uh, over Real Madrid already and the fact that they've already booked their place in the latter stages uh, because you know if if Thomas Tuchel can get a real performance of intensity out of his players uh, you know the ingredients are there with some of the stuff that's been said in recent weeks uh, you know and, and all of the the talk that constantly surrounds Mbappe and Real uh, you know for for PSG to, to put in a very good performance uh, you know led by the likes of uh, Mbappe or perhaps even somebody like Neymar. I think this is almost a perfect situation for PSG in past years. We all know they've collapsed against Manchester United and Barcelona. And I think this is great because they do have this large lead in the group stage already over Real Madrid. And now they're going into a game where no one's really expecting a whole lot. It's okay if they lose, but it's just the mentality. Can Tuchel prepare them leading up to the match to give it their all, to execute at, at a high level on the road in a hostile atmosphere? I think this is a really good test for PSG. And I think what we see in this match could be indicative of what we see in the knockout phase so it'll be interesting i'll definitely be watching for sure um i want to talk a little bit about transfer news um we talked about mbappe the the real madrid rumors can any club with financial fair play realistically afford 400 million if that's what it costs if that's the price tag that psg have set on mbappe can any club realistically afford that and not get slapped by financial fair play i don't think there's any club out there Mm-hmm. that could afford to just go out there and buy uh, Mbappe at that sort of price, assuming that PSG would, would let him go without selling many members of their of their squad and essentially undergoing a, a massive rebuild. Uh, I think any club's best chance of signing Mbappe in the next couple of years uh, will be when his contract, if his contract is allowed to run down, mm-hmm. uh, you know, runs down to sort of the last, uh, you know, into its last 24 months, really, because that's when PSG will either have to strike a deal with him to extend his contract or 
you know, face the face up to the prospect of cashing in on him so that they don't, you know, get completely embarrassed and end up losing, being the one, being the club that lost Kylian Mbappe on a free transfer. Uh, I, I think a little, there's a lot to play for um, between now and the end of the season, particularly in the Champions League, because, uh, you know, if PSG win against the likes of Real Madrid and, and end up going far in the latter stages, you know, they have a strong argument to, to someone like Mbappe to, uh, you know, sign up for a, for a couple more years, uh, you know, take that pressure off of them regarding a potential transfer, knowing that they can name their price if they decide that they want to sell them at all. Um, and, you know, and I think they have a big bargaining chip that they could potentially include in the in the negotiations as well when you consider Mbappe is very, very keen uh, to play the Olympics next summer. Uh, that wouldn't be at all to Thomas Tuchel's liking. But, uh, you know, if you... if, if if you bear in mind, you know how how rare the opportunity is, uh, you know, for players to, uh, you know, to represent their country and potentially be part of a winning Olympic team. I think it's understandable that Mbappe, given his talent, you know, would want to try his hand at, at winning a winning an Olympic football medal. Um, and PSG could include that in in any potential uh, contract negotiations, a clause that would allow him to go and play in the Olympics uh, as well as the Euros. It, it wouldn't be ideal for from a club point of view in the short term, but in the long term, it might enable them to add a couple of years to his contract and obviously preserve that value. So transfer-wise, uh, I still think it's uh, the best time for a club that would be interested in signing Kylian Mbappe would be to wait until the final 24 months of the contract. The big question is if PSG allow that deal to, to run down uh, to that point, and I'm not convinced that they would. So... There's a lot to play for in these next couple of months uh, with regards to, to keeping hold of star talents like him. Yeah, you mentioned Tuchel, and I think you had tweeted that he may not even be the manager, so it may not really matter if he's upset that Mbappe is playing in two international tournaments. No, no of course, but I think any any coach would not be relishing the idea of one of their star players, if not the absolute star player, uh, playing in two international competitions in one summer then going away uh, on holiday and potentially not really being back uh, in action until, you know, sort of maybe like six weeks into the season. Uh, you know, I don't think that would be ideal for anybody. But, you know, the opportunities to to take part in this sort of thing are, are, are quite rare. Uh, you know, and I think that PSG will appreciate that, particularly if it means that it will benefit them uh, in the long term. So, yes, I'm I'm still off of the, the school of thought that Tuchel might not be coached next season. I think people really need to to bear in mind what's happened in the past with Antoine Comboare, mm-hmm. uh, listen to what Leonardo is saying when he's talking about his relationship with Thomas Tuchel, uh, you know, because it wouldn't surprise me if he does want to, to bring in, uh, you know, somebody he sees as his own man, really. Uh, but, you know, Thomas Tuchel could change that if if he's the, the guy who leads PSG on a deep run in the, in the Champions League. You know, but there's there's also a lot of potentially attractive candidates who are either available already or, or might be becoming available in the next couple of months. Uh, you know, so, you know, a lot could change in a very short space of time. Absolutely. And, and you spoke about Mbappe's contract extension, potentially. There's another player, Neymar, who I believe was last March where PSG attempted to extend his contract and it didn't go through. And then we all know what happened uh, during the summer with that whole debacle with Barcelona. There was a report recently that Neymar has not been offered any contract, but PSG are interested in doing that. So what are you hearing on that end? And do you think that before the end of the season that a contract extension would be possible? Which, 
you know, this summer you would think like, no, never would imagine that would ever happen. And now there's a potential that it could. So what are your thoughts on that whole situation? Uh, to my knowledge, uh, PSG never made the offer of the contract extension. Uh, there was there was suggestions, uh, there, there was considerations um, in terms of sort of conserving his value, uh, that there would be a new a new contract uh, in the offing. Uh, but once he made it clear that it was his desire to return to Barcelona, you know that was that was quickly forgotten about. PSG never put uh, a contract offer in front of him. Uh, you know that was that seems to be something that was completely fabricated, particularly by the Spanish media to. Uh, you know, to to suit their arguments, which is you know not not the first time that they've done that. Um, but at, at this moment in time, it's very similar to what I just said about Mbappe. You know, um, Neymar's contract is up in 2022. Uh, you know, so if we're going into 2020 next year, that means he'll be entering the final uh, two years of his contract, and that, in my opinion, is the is the time where cl- other clubs could potentially come in for a player um, and pay less than what they might pay. Uh, might have paid, say, had the player been, you know, on like a three, four, maybe even five-year contract. Um, with regards to everything that happened this summer with Neymar, it's it's hard to see him and PSG agreeing to a contract extension for any other reason than uh, there being some sort of agreement, the gentleman's agreement, that he'd be able to leave at some point. Uh, in the very near future, uh, whether it's just a guarantee that PSG will get the best deal possible uh, or it's that PSG and Neymar decide that a contract extension isn't in either of their interests and they try to get the business done, uh, you know, ahead of Neymar running into the final two years of his contract. But, uh, you know, for that to happen, Barcelona would obviously have to come back to the table and say, OK, we're interested, you know, we're serious about uh, about a deal for Neymar this time. We've come to the table early, you know, what's it going to take for us to get this deal done? And that's where PSG will have, uh, you know, a, perhaps a bit more a bit more power in the in this situation. In terms of, of his happiness uh, at PSG, I think Neymar will probably be, feel happier and happier than the, the better PSG play, the more they win. Uh, the further they go in the Champions League. But I'm not convinced that he's going to want to extend his contract um, at PSG, uh, you know, because he's enjoying his his, his time at the club. Uh, you know, I think he set his sights on on leaving. Uh, and I, I don't think PSG will try too much to, to try to keep hold of him. So if there is a contract extension at some point in Neymar's future at PSG, I think it'll be more to conserve the player's value than anything. Um, but you know, we'll, we will we will wait and see what happens next year because, as I've said in the past, I don't think a transfer for somebody like Neymar can possibly happen in a January transfer window. So it would have to be next summer, yeah. and obviously a lot can happen between now and the end of the season. Absolutely. Um, so we got a couple Twitter questions that came through. I will not ask you who your favorite Marseille player is, which I think is one of the questions <laughs> that come in. You, you can answer it if you want to, but we'll go with a couple more PSG related ones. So this one came in from uh, as, as, oh, yeah. a, as a as a as a as a Villa fan. I guess I'm oh, going to yeah. go diplomatically and say Jordan Amavi. Okay, there you go. Um, <laughs> so this one came in from at Hamza01 underscore Junior, and he said, "What's Cavani's future with the club?" Which we've kind of talked on talked about already, but especially in the current period where his level has fallen far in his competition with uh, Icardi. So I think his brother slash agent said that he's going to stay at PSG. He's going to run down the contract, and then he'll have a, a plenty of options. But Cavani's not going to stay in the club, right? After this year, no, yeah, I don't think so. Uh, I 
I'd love to see him go out in a in a, in a blaze of glory um, and get the get the send off that he deserves. Uh, and I think that's something that PSG can definitely do, even if he runs down the the contract and leaves on a free transfer. I think it's the the, the least he's owed after years of of great service. But I don't think PSG can be in the business of of just handing out contracts for based on you know service service done over the past couple of years. Uh, you know PSG have to be more progressive in their thinking now, uh, and you know the guy in form, uh, you know is is Icardi, and Icardi is is the perfect replacement for for, for Cavani, if not an upgrade in certain aspects. Uh, and I I think that you know not even somebody like Cavani who's you know normally in such great shape uh, you know can can hold back the the sands of time and if he stays in Europe um, and continues uh, on the continent for another couple of years then good luck to him you know he's been a, a fantastic servant for PSG uh, and he'll always be welcomed back to, to to Parc des Princes if he returns as an opponent uh, I, I'd be interested in seeing you know, sort of what he has in mind for, for the next few years of his career. I don't think he's going to be able to go to sort of 40 years of age. Mm -hmm. I think we're probably talking about maybe a maximum of five years left in his in his career, if that, because uh, obviously it's going to depend on how frequently these muscular issues come back. Um, and he's he's always spoken about his liking of the idea of returning to Uruguay and playing a bit there before finishing his career. I think that would be a, a lovely way to, to finish, but he clearly doesn't feel like he's done uh, in Europe just yet. So is there going to be a team that might take him for just one or two seasons and that allowing him to return for maybe two or three seasons at the very end of his career to uh, to his native Uruguay? We'll have to wait and see. Uh, I just, I, I don't think, I'd, I can't see PSG offering him an, a new contract, uh, you know, based on this these nostalgic feelings uh, and, and the sort of, you know, the, the hero worship that he he deservedly receives. Uh, you know, I don't think that him leaving at the end of the season on a free transfer will change the fact that uh, PSG fans or the majority of PSG fans will regard him as a legend. Uh, I I just think that it's it doesn't make uh, financial sense for PSG to commit to another one or two years of contract, two years, which is you know what Cavani's really after. Um, and I don't think it makes sense for Cavani to stick around if he's not going to be top dog, which he's not going to be if PSG managed to, to get the deal done for Mauro Riccardi. So uh, I think it's you know, there's a lot of pressure on Leonardo at the moment. He's going to have a lot of tough calls to make over the next uh, couple of months or between now and the end of the season. Uh, but at this moment in time, it seems like the right call to make would be taking Inter up on the option for Riccardi. Uh, not offering Cavani a new contract um, and continuing this hardline, stun hardline stance with somebody like Thiago Silva, uh, you know, basically making him sweat until the end of the season to try and keep his form up as best as possible before deciding on whether to offer him a contract extension or not. It wouldn't surprise me if PSG end up waving goodbye to both Cavani and Silva at the end of the season. But I think the more likely to leave out of those two at this moment in time is Cavani. I just the the longer this goes on, uh, the less I can see, uh, you know, him getting this this contract extension. Yeah, I think Cavani misses opportunity. If he would have gotten into a fight with Messi, I would say give him all the money, <laughs> whatever he wants. Let's resign him five more years. Um, yeah, I don't. And a lot of people here in America are 
excited about the potential of, of uh, Cavani coming to LA Galaxy to replace uh, Zlatan, but I don't think he's at that level yet. I've always assumed that he that Manchester United just being so desperate for someone attacking <laughs> that and, and to get into a Champions League spot that I thought in January that they would just say, like, what, what name your price PSG? And I'm sure Cavani would accept that because he would be playing more and he'd be in a high level. So I don't know. I, I think in January he still could go if a desperate Premier League team comes in, but probably likely that he he'll stay through the end of the season and hopefully we can win him a champions league i mean in terms of most likely destinations to me it makes sense that he either goes to spain or goes back to italy Mm -hmm. it's just a question of which which club presents the the most attractive offer to him and not one that's you know just sort of based on sentimental reasons because it it seems like not a single summer transfer window went by while Cavani was, you know, in his absolute prime with PSG where he wasn't linked with a return to Napoli. Right. Uh, and, you know, I think the, those rumours will probably surface again at some point. Uh, I don't think that that would necessarily be the be the right move for him. I mean, you know, perhaps, you know, a, a club like an Atletico Madrid could, could offer, a, you know, a good uh, sort of compromise for him. In terms of the MLS rumours, mm-hmm. uh, I think as Latan has showed, you can shine uh, individually in MLS, but to really sell yourself on a project there, uh, you, you have to be joining a very well-structured franchise, one that has the necessary parts on the pitch that are going to enable you to succeed. Galaxy didn't have that for Zlatan, so he was able to shine um, you know, through individual brilliance Cavani's not not the same sort of technical, inspirational figure that, that Zlatan is. And I think he would find it more hard going in MLS unless he could join uh, a side that has a lot of creative players, a lot of players that could give him the kind of opportunities that he needs to score goals. Because as we know, you know Cavani is not as instinctive a finisher as, uh, as somebody like Mauro Riccardi or he doesn't have the same success rate that Icardi does. I mean, yes, both are, are very predatory, particularly when they're you know fit and, and on form. But Cavani has always had that ability to miss some chances that you know look quite easy for him, but for a player of his of his quality and of his goal scoring record to put in. So for me, I I find it hard to see where he'd fit in in MLS unless there was going to be a side built completely around him. In which case. You know, somebody like Inter Miami might make a bit more sense. I don't know how much MLS you watch, but what you described, I don't think exists <laughs> with any of those teams. So, <laughs> I, I mean, I don't, I don't, I can't claim to watch as much MLS as I used to. Yeah. But I know it's very, very difficult to, to, you know, to put together such what would have to be quite, you know, uh, a high quality side with all of the the rules that exist. Do you have a favorite MLS team? Real quick, I'm throwing in a question. I used to follow San Jose Earthquakes quite closely. A Landon Donovan, right? Didn't play a lot of, I, to be honest, this was more uh, the Chris Wondolowski in his mm-hmm. prime era. Very good. We, uh, I live in Tennessee, so we've got a new MLS team, Nashville. So maybe, maybe Cavani can come to Nashville. Um, <laughs> we'll see. Um, this question comes in from at Andrew Judge, and he wants to know, why is the French media always so critical of PSG's form when they're easily in first place in Ligue 1 and they have done so well in the Champions League despite not having their full team healthy at any point this season? Why is the their criticism? I think there was that one piece, I forget what outlet, they kind of criticized Keeler Navas after that one game where they lost to Dijon and kind of questioned whether or not he was the the answer at goalkeeper. So 
Why are they kind of hard? They just hold them to a different standard than the rest of the teams in France? I mean, I think they do. I mean, you've got to bear in mind that the French press have been covering, uh, you know, Ligue 1 uh, over the years. They've seen a lot of very good sides. And P- this PSG side is, you know, by far the best on paper, by far the most lavishly assembled. Uh, so, yeah, you know, I think they do expect uh, a bit more from them. I think the thing that's most frustrating, and it should be very frustrating for, for fans of PSG as well, is the fact that this PSG could be a massively record-breaking side. Uh, you know, they could quite easily go through a season unbeaten. They could quite easily go through a season where they win every game. Mm-hmm. I just think that they really have to put their mind to it. And it doesn't seem, especially over the last couple of years, like they really have that appetite to do that anymore. It used to be a big deal when PSG would lose their first match of the league on season. It doesn't seem to be that way anymore. Uh, you know, and it seems like it's becoming that like that in the domestic cups as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, all of the focus seems to be uh, on the on the Champions League, and in a season like this, you know, when PSG are doing well in the Champions League, results are going their way. Uh, you know, it only really leaves their domestic form to criticise. You know, PSG are not as much of a mess off of the pitch as they've been in the past. Now that Leonardo's returned as sporting director, you know, there's a, there's a there's an element of professionalism that surrounds the club. So I think it's solely. Uh, you know the French press looking for things to, to to talk about essentially with with PSG and you know one of the only things that you can really criticise at this moment in time is the is the league on form. I mean I don't think at the end of the day, especially given the way that the league on season is going at the moment, that those defeats that they've suffered, uh, you know, will will cost them you know anything significant by the end of the season. The only thing it does do is sort of detract a bit from you know what could eventually be the, the you know the PSG legacy obviously they'll have next season and future seasons to change that I just think at some point um, you know perhaps it'll come with when the Champions League or there's less of an obsession regarding the Champions League but at some point PSG have to look to get back towards this you know the sort of all-conquering squad that they used to have uh, particularly in the days of Laurent Blanc where they win everything that's available to them domestically they go through seasons uh, unbeaten or try to win every game in a season because that mm-hmm. at the end of the day is something that then will be written into the history books uh, you know and will go down forever so you know I think there was an expectation when PSG were taken over that they'd eventually build a squad that was capable of that uh, and I think I can understand the irritation that you know they do kind of feel like they have that squad that's capable of doing that but they just don't fancy it mentally but like i said you know perhaps if they they get the monkey off of their back in the champions league that's something that we'll see in the next couple of years absolutely and this last question comes from at connor murphy 1990 and this is about a player that we haven't talked a lot about and he wants to know has psg already decided to make the Icardi loan permanent and it's surely a no-brainer <clears throat> and i'm sorry and i think i did read a report that they are attempting to try to make this deal permanent at 65 million euro i think it would be a bargain but there's also been reports where they're talking about his wife slash agent is doing a lot of traveling back and forth between Milan and, and Paris and their kids, I believe, still live in Italy. Do you see that causing Icardi to maybe think twice about whether or not he wants to song, sign long-term with PSG? Or do you think this deal gets done sometime in January? I mean, I think if PSG <clears throat> can get their way, that the deal will be done sooner rather than later. However, I think that 
his family situation will always be a, a big consideration for Icardi. But another big consideration is what will be happening at Inter uh, at the end of the season. Because if, if Conte remains there as coach, you'd assume that there's no future for Icardi. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at that moment in time, you know, where better for him to, to move to than, uh, than PSG, where, you know, fingers crossed, he's had a very good season and he's continued his current form. Um, it might take a bit longer for, for PSG to work out a, a permanent deal if, you know, if that's what they want to, to get done. Obviously, they're very interested in, in that happening based on his, uh, on, on his early season form. Um, but yes, of course, his family situation is something that he'll have to, uh, you know, that he'll have to consider. However, how many clubs are there in Italy uh, which would make the family situation, uh, you know, sort of easier to, to handle? How many clubs in Italy are into willing to sell Icardi to if they don't send him to PSG? Mm-hmm. I don't think there's many, if any. Uh, and the whole reason he was granted the move to PSG in the first place was because, okay, I'm not going to say out of sight, out of mind, but. You know they're not exactly um, rivals for the Champions League title, uh, and you know for, for Inter Milan it's better to have his wages being taken care of by PSG than uh, you know sort of him just sitting sitting rotting in the reserves. Uh, you know which was why Inter were were willing to to sanction the new contract for him before he moved on. So for me the the thing that could really change the Icardi situation would be uh, massive changes at Inter Milan. Uh, otherwise. I think at some point PSG will uh, activate their option to sign him, uh, and those talks will become uh, will become more serious. Uh, but no, obviously the you know the interest is already there from PSG. Uh, I think it's already planned that Icardi will replace uh, Cavani. Uh, it's it's just a question of timing, really. When uh, you know when Leonardo will strike to make that happen. Yeah, one club that. Uh Icardi won't be going to his Napoli as it appears that that's a dumpster fire and they, they need to sell all of their best players. Is there um, a player on Napoli that you think would be a potential signing in January? I mean, there were, there were the links with Alan um, fairly regularly over the last couple of transfer windows. Having seen him play in the flesh, I very much enjoyed watching him play. I just don't think there's as much of a need for him in the midfield now as there was. Mm-hmm. Um, I always enjoyed watching Dries Mertens as well. Uh, so, you know, that's that's another guy who I might uh, I might consider. Um, I'm a fan of Khalidou Koulibaly. I just, I'm not sure I'd see where he would fit uh, at PSG. I mean, uh, Thiago uh, Silva, 35 years old, coming in, you know, he could be... You could sell it to him, like, hey, you might not get a ton of playing time now, but next season we're not going to have Tiago. So you're the man. So maybe. You but, uh, but I think, but I think, considering the amount of money Napoli would want for him, uh, he'd be expecting a fair amount of game time. That's true. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the other player I quite like is uh, is Fabian in the midfield. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think he's. Uh, He's he's perhaps the kind of guy that I could see, especially if Tuchel remained as coach, uh, you know, fitting in quite well uh, in the middle, giving PSG that one extra option. Um, but it seems like Allen is the the, the guy that uh, you know the PSG really had their their sights set on uh, a while ago. But because Leonardo is now in as uh, sporting director, I think when he's casting his eye towards Serie A, he's looking for the the, the next Marco Verratti, so somebody like Tonali from Brescia, um, and also looking at somebody who he helped AC Milan beat PSG two in yeah. Lucas Paqueta, uh, you know, who's uh, you know could could 
be sort of the next Brazilian to come through the door for PSG and uh, and really shine in Paris if Leonardo decides to to go after him. So, uh, you know, I'm not too sure he'd be uh, looking at too many of the the Napoli players at this moment in time because of the astronomic price tags that are always asked for by uh, Aurelio De Laurentiis. Yeah, those are the two players that you mentioned um, that I've seen a lot of rumors. So. Um, it'll be an interesting January transfer window. Nothing really too exciting. I think we had Draxler probably was our biggest January transfer signing. Um, but you never know. I mean, with the injuries, you never know what will happen rest of this month, December. We may need to be buyers or maybe there'll be some. Do you see any departures in January? Maybe uh, I mean, I, I, th- I think considering that there's been no progress made, on his contract situation that Munier could very well be on his way. Yeah. Sounds like PSG are very interested in uh, Di Silio, so we will see if anything really materializes on that front. But uh, I think Leonardo will probably wait until the beginning of December before thinking about which potential moves he could make in January because I think if you know if previous uh, winter transfer windows have taught PSG anything, uh, the players being brought in only really have value if they come in in, in early January. I mean, cast your minds back to bringing in someone like the son of Diara at the very end of January is, you know, needed basically the rest of the season to get up to speed. And by then it was too late. Yeah. Well, fantastic. That's all the questions I have. Uh, Jonathan, let everyone know where they can find you. I've got your, I'm trying to figure out where the point my finger, but I've got it on screen, your Twitter handle, but let people know how to follow you. If you're working on anything exciting for ESPN FC, uh, this is your chance to just give a, a quick plug. No, absolutely. I mean, everyone knows that uh, you know I'm very active on Twitter, so follow me there, and uh, you'll be able to to catch up on the the best of uh, my bits of work that will be coming up over over the next couple of weeks. And uh, of course, you'll be able to follow my adventures in Madrid, uh, watching PSG Real next week as well. Fantastic. Well, great. Thanks for joining us, and we'll catch up with you hopefully maybe after the Real Madrid match. Cool. Thanks a lot for having me on, and uh, speak to you guys soon. All right. Bye.